Okay, this past Sunday at 8pm, a broadcast went out to the nation from Her Majesty the Queen. Isn't that right? Queen Elizabeth addressed the general public. Now, I think uh, more than, well, perhaps more than ever, this was a hotly anticipated address, wasn't it? One Sky News journalist, he kind of summed the feeling up quite well. He asked the question that was on everyone's lips in the build-up to this address. He asked this, could the Queen provide hope? Could the Queen provide hope? The country is despairing. The, this pandemic, it rages. Uh, could the Queen, could the monarch raise our spirits and provide much, much needed hope? Well, did you see the address? Did you? What did you think? There's a lot of positives in what uh, Her Majesty said, that call to, to stay indoors, uh, that hark back to British resolve, all of that was marvellous. I do want to suggest this, although you must not take this as criticism of her words or the address, it is no such thing, but I do want to suggest, for all her welcome words, uh, Her Majesty was not able to provide lasting, true, proper hope. That though these words were just comforting and inspiring, these were not hope-giving words. Maybe you see what I mean? Just consider that most commonly repeated phrase, that sort of heart back to Vera Lynn. Do you remember what Her Majesty said? She said, we will meet again. What's the obvious retort to that at this time? Many people won't. Isn't that right? Such a, have been devastating effects of COVID-19 that many people never, ever see their loved ones again. Certainly not in this life. You know, husbands and, and, and wives and children, grandparents, children lost to this uh, disease. And isn't it also actually true for many former colleagues and co-workers? Their employers go bust at this time and many former colleagues will never see each other, will never meet again. These words were comforting, they were inspiring, but ultimately they did not give us a long-lasting eternal hope. Where does that leave us now? I mean, are we just lost? to our despair in the midst of this pandemic and cases are increasing of COVID-19, the death toll mounts, are we lost to despair and our worry and our tears? Well, this morning, as we turn back to First Peter, I do wonder if you can remember the situation into which Peter writes. Do you remember uh, from last week? Peter is writing to people just like us. He is writing to Christians in a time of severe trouble. And when you bear that in mind, isn't it quite remarkable to see how he begins this, the kind of, you know, the beginning of the main section of this letter? How does he begin? He begins with praise. You know, he exclaims, blessed be God. And do you notice the reason for his praise? Here, listen, here Peter speaks of real hope. Even that true hope, lasting hope, living hope that he and his fellow first century Christians share in Christ Jesus. So this is what I want you to do and me to do this morning. I want us to pretend 
that the Apostle Peter is here with us in the midst of this pandemic, that Peter is in lockdown in quarantine too. And I want you and I to ask Peter three questions this morning, three questions about hope, true and lasting hope. Okay, so first things first, have you got your Bible? Or not? Have you got your Bible? I can see through the screen. I know you haven't got your Bible. Go run and get your Bible. Okay. And what we're going to do, ask three questions. So this is the first question that we have to set. Okay. First of all, Peter, how does this true hope come to us? You see the question? How does this, how do we receive this hope? How does this true hope come to us? And here I think we need to, excuse me, I think we need to think about the two sides to the answer that Peter gives to that question. There's two sides to it. First, we need to linger on the fact that hope is something that's uh, gifted to us. Hope is something that's actually a gift that's gifted to us. So what am I talking about? What am I on about? Here's a novel idea. Why don't we look to scripture together? Okay, let's look at the Bible together. Isn't it interesting, don't you think, how Peter speaks of how this hope comes to us? Look at the language he uses. He says we're born again to a living hope. Like we come into uh, a living hope. Like clearly he's talking about the beginning of the Christian life. But do you see what he's saying? When a person becomes a Christian, it's almost as though they enter into a new sort of spiritual existence, a new spiritual realm. But it's entering into this new spiritual realm where confidence, like a sure confidence in the future, is the predominant feature. Isn't that what he's saying? We come into a a living hope. Now, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) as awesome as that is, I think you and I have to be precise here, don't we? Because what exactly is it that leads us into this hope filled realm. Look at the language. You see it? Don't we don't just come into it, I hope. What does it say? We are we're actually born again into. Born again to a living hope. Now, here, ah, come on, we've got to face facts for a moment, don't we? I know that if you are a Christian watching this uh, video, if you are in Christ, you are more than familiar with this phrase and this idea of being born again, aren't you? You know what's in you, don't you? You know it's that initial work of the Holy Spirit, the conversion, the Holy Spirit changing a person's heart from, from stone to flesh, bringing a person to, to new life. You know it if you're a Christian. But if you are watching this video just now and you are not a Christian, you repented, you're not repented, believed and trusted in Christ, you're not in Christ, you may be sitting there thinking at home, that seems a really odd idea. Like the idea of rebirth, being reborn, seems pretty weird, you're saying, are you? Well, if you are saying that, then in a sense, you're not far off the mark. Because I think we have to appreciate this, that though in other parts of the Bible and the New Testament, it's that, that regeneration is spoken of, Jesus Doesn't Jesus also speak about being born again? That Though that is true, you need to understand that this is the only place where the verb that Peter uses here is found. This is unique. So do you see what we need to do? We're we're asking Peter, we're pushing Peter. We're saying, 
Peter, well, what exactly are you emphasising about this rebirth? What angle are you coming at this from? So you listen to me. Will you please listen to me? What Peter is doing is emphasising here the Father's role in making life, the Father's role in procreation. Can I just show you what I mean? If you've got that Bible there, have a look at verse 23. Look down, look at the language. So Peter speaks of being born again, doesn't he? He speaks about it again. But look what he says. He talks about being born of, what's that word, seed. Seed, like the father's <laughs> role in making life. Seed, the father's part. The same emphasis that's in our text. Friend, do you see what Peter is saying? Listen, that just as a baby in the physical world, the baby has no say in its conception, no say in its being born. What is Peter saying? He is saying that the same is true spiritually, isn't he? He's talking about this beautiful hope that a Christian has, this lovely hope, this lasting hope. And he's saying this is not something we fabricate of ourselves. It's not something we make for ourselves. He's saying this beautiful hope is something that comes only from our Heavenly Father. Our Father has caused us to be born again. He's saying this hope, friend, this hope is something that is only gifted to us by God. So, you with me? Are you with me? You see that this hope, this precious hope, comes only as something gifted to us. But I did see there's two sides to the answer. I did, didn't I? So you must hear this. This hope is also something that is one for us. Did you get it? This hope is something one for us. What do you mean? Well, okay. What day is it? I'm not kidding around. What, what, what day is it? As you're watching this, what day is it? You're obviously thinking... <laughs> this this guy making a video is clearly being cooped up in his house for too long in quarantine because he doesn't know what, what day it is. But maybe you see what I'm getting at. It's not just Sunday today, is it? It's Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. A day when millions of people throughout the world, they stop, they worship God for what is the most significant moment in all of human history. What is that? Yes? We know it, don't we? It is the very resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice verse 3. And you notice what is said? This resurrection is also the instrument through which this precious hope comes to us. What does he say? He says, we are born again to a living hope. How, Peter? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, Everybody who's watching us, without exception, I'm sure, everybody knows about Jesus' resurrection, I'm sure. But I want you to consider it from this author, from his perspective, his point of view. Can you, can you do that with me? Just think about it for a second. On Friday, Peter has watched the one he loves, his master, his Lord, he's watching die. Christ punished in death. By whom? By the Jews? The Romans are punished in death by his heavenly father, Jesus Christ, there taking upon himself God's wrath, the wrath due to us because of our sin. Peter seen this. Then what happens? A few days later, Peter's gathered with his friends and, and he hears voices, the voices of women shouting, our Lord's body is gone, it's gone, it is not there, it's been taken. And Peter, 
drops everything and he runs at full tilt with the blood of the beloved disciple. He runs full tilt to the tomb. He peers in and he's gone. He's gone. There is nothing but linen strips. And before long, Peter realizes what has happened, doesn't he? That his Lord is dead. No longer. Jesus is risen. Jesus is alive. And don't you see, Christian friend, how that there affects our understanding of hope that we possess? Because because you're sitting there, right? And you know as well as I do, there are all manner of different types of hope in this world. Aren't there? Like there's wishful thinking, there's pipe dreams, there's empty hope, there's vague hope. You might hope to be a billionaire one day, right? I might hope... Uh, to play for Scotland at football before I die. Ain't gonna happen. But what does Peter call this? Did you notice? He calls it a living hope. It's a sure hope. It's a genuine hope. And why? Do you see? Because, Christian friend, our confidence in the future has a solid foundation. It has a sure basis. Our Saviour is risen. And and risen we. Not just risen, but risen as the first fruits of the resurrection of the dead. Isn't that awesome that we, spiritually Christian friend, have already been raised from the dead in Christ? How can we have a sure hope for what lies ahead even after death? Why? Because Christ Jesus has already secured the fact that we too shall rise from the grave. We too shall rise from the dead. And so I think the question that comes to this isn't so much for Peter. I think the question is for you, isn't it? Are you born again? Are you, yes, you, born again? If not, I would urge you to plead with God for what is only possible through the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ to plead with God for new birth and you come to know then a sure and lasting hope a genuine hope a real hope the living hope that comes through Christ so we see how this hope comes to a person how we receive it's a gift It's gifted to us, but it's also won for us, this hope by Christ Jesus. But if there is an objection here, then I think I I know what it is. Like, if there's an objection, isn't it this? So far, this is a little bit vague, isn't it? We know that uh, the Christian hope is a sure hope, is on a great foundation of Christ. And we know that it's a hope for eternal life. We know that it's a future hope. But is this not a little bit ill-defined? Is it not a little bit blurry? So perhaps what you and I need to do is ask Peter a second question. Maybe we need to do that. So secondly, Peter, what is the object of this hope? What is the object of this hope? Here, let's imagine this hope that we're dealing with. Let's imagine that it is a present You can do that, can you? Imagine hope as a beautifully wrapped gift. You know, one of these daft wee bows on the top of it. Why do that? Because what Peter does next 
is he unwraps, unpacks uh, hope, this gift. He rips off the wrapping paper. He unpacks uh, this hope to show us more of what it contains. Look at the text again in verse 4. We have been, what, born again to a living hope, and he unpacks that, and he says, to an inheritance. Born again to a living hope. What is this? To an inheritance. An inheritance. Now, let me ask you this just now. What do you, what springs to mind? What do you think about when you hear that term, an inheritance? An inheritance. Inheritance. Can I, can I tell you what I think about. Um, I think about that time when my grandmother passed away. So don't worry, it was, you know, a long time. I'm not going to burst into tears. It was a long time ago. But about 12, 13 years ago, my, my grandmother passed away. And so, of course, my wife and I saw what we were doing. We go north to spend time with family. And there is the funeral. And then after the funeral, um, I was told to go uh, down to where my grandmother used to live, to her house, where I was going to receive my inheritance. And uh, in amongst all of the sadness and the grief at the time, there was a moment of, of humour. You know, in amongst all of the genuine tears, um, in amongst all the genuine tears, there was tears of laughter because I got my inheritance. What was my? I was I was left one thing by my grandmother. <laughs> it was you know, unveiled for me. And it was a tiny tartan uh, coffee flask that my grandmother had uh, had in her cupboard for probably 40 or 50 years. Right, that was my inheritance. But that is how we think about inheritance. Isn't that something bequeathed to us when that person dies? Now, what we have to understand is that is not exactly how Peter is thinking about inheritance as he writes about it here. And actually, we should probably notice something that probably should have occurred to us or we should have recognised before now. So again, look at the text. Now, I will bring this up before you. Look at this. What do you see? What do you notice? Do you notice yeah, just how much Old Testament language Peter's used thus far? Look at this. Look, I'll show you here for a second. Look, he speaks of, do you see this screen? He speaks of election, exiles, dispersion. Look, Old Testament terms, right? Then, look at it. He's, he speaks of sprinkling with blood, the Old Testament sacrificial system. He speaks of peace, Old Testament shalom. Then he says, look, Blessed be God, distinctly Jewish praise he's modifying. Then he says, speaks of God being merciful. And he actually uses the Old Testament idea of hesed, God's covenant faithfulness. He even modifies that to use the chief Old Testament adjective to speak of not just God's mercy, but look at it, God's great mercy. Do you see what I'm saying? So much, so much Old Testament language. Now you can see what Peter's doing there, can't you? He's encouraging Gentile Christians in their trouble. He's saying to them, you are God's afterthought or an outsider. You, even as a Gentile Christian, you are part of the true Israel of God. We see what he's doing, but do you see what else that does that focus on the Old Testament language? It gives you and me the lens to understand Peter's words on inheritance. See, let me, let me ask you this. In the Old Testament, certainly the early parts of the Old Testament, what was 
the people of Israel's inheritance in, in Exodus and Numbers. You see the people of Israel inheritance. What do they think? How would you answer that? The land, <laughs> right? The Canaan, like the promised land. That's 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 the that's the that's the inheritance, right? We would see that. Well, hang on, hang on. Like, what was the first reading in Joshua? Like, let's be a little bit more precise and exact about it. What was the real hope? The real hope for Israel is that they would have a share in the promised land. That they themselves, their families, would have a portion of Canaan, a portion of that promised land for themselves. And when we see that, knowing, as we do as Christians, that the promise of land transcends that earthly reality, do we not see the object of the Christian hope. Oh, please listen to my words. Please, through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, through us being born again by the Spirit of God, listen, our hope is that one day we will have a share in the new heavens and the new earth. That is our concrete hope for the future, isn't it, Christian friend, that by God's grace at work in our lives, what do we know for sure? One day we will have a portion of the the very kingdom of God, a heavenly country where we shall abide with God, living with him. There is our sure hope. And doesn't even the mere thought of that, doesn't it, enable us to soar high above the present crisis of COVID-19? Don't we soar high above as we consider our heavenly home? Especially when we see the adjectives that Peter uses here. Did you see them? Your inheritance, Christian friend, it is imperishable. <laughs> a word that the scripture uses only of heavenly realities. God, his word, a resurrection bodies. Do you see what it means? Your inheritance cannot, and it's not just it will not, it cannot decay. What's the other word? It's, it's undefiled. You know what it's like? All that we own just now can be so quickly tarnished by sin. We idolize our possession so quickly. Not there. Not in death. Not in heaven. We will have an inheritance that is fully approved of by God. What's the last one? That heavenly land is unfading to divinely protected from spoil. Christian friend, is it the case that as you sit there and as you look back on the last week or two, that you have been so weighed down by this crisis, this pandemic? I have a suggestion for you. I suggest that this week you turn to scripture and you read the portions of your Bible about heaven. You study the, the portions of scripture about your heavenly home because you will read there that you have a legacy coming to you, a great great inheritance and it is coming to you all through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ so we see how uh, or we ask Peter how do we receive this hope and then we've also asked what exactly is the object of this hope Peter. But then a third question that that, uh, must be asked, I think. Peter, how can we be certain of this hope? Peter, how can we be certain of this hope? 
And you can see why we ask that question, don't you? Uh, we are just so sinful. Are we not just so sinful? You would think that news of a pandemic, reality of a pandemic would shake us towards holiness. We knew as Christians you would, you would think that it would awaken with us this burning desire for purity and righteousness. And, and yet, what's the reality as you look back in the last week or so, even here, even in the midst of a pandemic, we, we, we sin, we're so wicked. And so you see the question, yeah, there's an inheritance. And, and yeah, yeah, but surely it's for, for for other people, isn't it? Isn't it? it can't be for, for missionaries, for the holy seeming people. But as a Christian, I'm so foolish. And how can this inheritance really be for me? And how can I know that it's for me? Well, if you are asking that type of question, Peter has some amazing news for you. If you, if you look at verse 5, you'll see what he says. He says that all Christians, all who are sprinkled by the blood of Christ, not just those who seem to be performing well, all Christians are being, look at these words, they are being guarded by God, guarded by the power of God. Now, let's just make sure we don't get this wrong. What do you think is in view there, guarded by God? Do you think it's the same idea as we saw a couple of weeks ago at LCPC, the idea of a city under siege? being protected. Is that the sort of idea, you know, soldiers, sentries, warding off, repelling an attack? If you're thinking that, you're just bang on. That's what's in view. But you've got to understand that the verb that Peter uses here has a second idea, a second meaning. And it's the, the idea of preventing us escape. Right, so you, you can see it, can't you? There's a criminal who's been caught, you know, what will we go for? A murderer, right? Or a thief, something like that. And he's trying to get away, trying, and he is prevented from doing so. The prison officer, the prison guard, do you see, he stops that escape. Now, when you see those realities, isn't it marvellous to consider? That's the verb. That's the verb. That's what Peter's saying God does with, with you. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it amazing? God right now and throughout our lives, he protects us from attack, from anyone, anything that's trying to jeopardize our spiritual security. God protects us from that attack. But what's the other side of it? Isn't it beautiful? God is also preventing us from escaping. Because as a Christian, you know your sin or something of it. You know, we are the problem so much of the time. In fact, we are the murderer in the illustration, right? We are the crime. We are the ones who are trying to get away from God because of our sin. We are the sheep who constantly to try to stray and wander off. And what does God do? He grabs us and he, and he keeps us. We are kept by God spiritually through this life. Isn't it amazing? We are guarded by the power of God through faith. For that moment, when our salvation shall be revealed, or how does our confession, how does our confession put it? Isn't it amazing? It says that they whom are effectually called, who's that? Who's, who's that, Christian? That's you. <laughs> That's me. They who are effectually called, sanctified by the Spirit. Listen, they can neither totally nor finally fall away. From the state of grace. Christian friends, how can we know, even with all of our 
our sin and our wickedness, how can we know that we have this great inheritance coming to us? Because it is not about the performance of our faith, not about the strength of our faith. It is about all that Christ has done for us in his life, in his sin-bearing death, and in that resurrection unto life again. It's about Christ. It's about God guarding us until such a time as our Saviour and Lord, our Lord Jesus, returns. And I, I, I want to end like this, right? I, I want to end by returning to you, the person who's watching this, but hasn't professed faith in Christ and hasn't come to Jesus and who isn't a Christian. Is that you? Are you watching this and you're not a Christian? Listen to me. There's a close. We've asked Peter three questions. I asked you a question earlier on. I asked everyone if they were born again. I, I want to end just with last thing for you. Like You're with me, right? Everyone has been alerted to the brevity of life through this coronavirus, right? We all know, watching this, we're all aware of how fragile life is. Like, it changes quickly. We is this brief our existence. So my question for you, if you're not a Christian, because you know you're a sinner, like you know you sin, you know you offend God, my question is this. Given the brevity of life, do you not see the urgency in you today coming to Christ for the forgiveness of that sin? I mean, it's so brief life. You sitting there, me here, we don't actually even know that we don't have this disease, that it might not show itself later today, that it might end our life. We don't know that. But you know you're a sinner. You know you're separated from God. Do you not? See the urgency in coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what I say here. Christ Jesus has lived righteously. He has died for sin. He is risen. Christ Jesus as Lord. He holds out to you this Easter Sunday morning. Not words of comfort. He holds out not just platitudes. Not just inspiring words. But by his work. He holds out to you in the gospel hope, sure hope, living hope. You are offered in the gospel everlasting hope in Christ. Will you not today run to Jesus Christ? Will you not flee to him? Will you not come into that spiritual realm, that glorious existence of hope? Will you not come to Christ and today be born again? Friends, let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray. Lord our God, we pray to you, we worship you, and we thank you that ours in Christ is a sincere and lasting hope. And we thank you that, uh, Lord God, we can grasp that and cherish it right through our lives, through the ups and downs that we face, through the trials, through the temptations, through the good times, the bad times. But we thank you that one day that hope will be fully and properly realised. We thank you that we look ahead to the time where our salvation that has already come to us by your grace, that it will be revealed on the day of Christ's return. Lord God, we do pray to you 
And we say, Maranatha, O Lord, come and come quickly. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.